0: Welcome back to Guessing Game Musical Legacies, the podcast where I tell you a famous singer's life story and you guess who they are. We're up to episode seven and I have my fabulous guest co-host Danny back in the hot seat. Danny, would you like to answer a couple of questions for me.
1: I would absolutely love to. Perfect. Thanks, Michael.
0: Do you want to start off by telling us what the first album you either bought or received was?
1: So my very first album that I received was um, actually Kylie Minogue.
0: I love Kylie.
1: I know I love Kylie too. And her first album is just epic.
0: And it's just called Kylie, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah just Kylie just self-titled. Kylie. Mm. Yeah,
1: self-titled. Um, and I got that for my seventh birthday, I believe. It was a, definitely a birthday.
0: Like a gift. gift. Yeah, Yeah, nice. I know this might be a big ask, Mm -hmm. but did you have a favourite track on the Kylie Minogue cassette?
1: Um, My actual favourite, and I still have it on my playlist today, is, um, oh, now forgot the name of it, of course, (laughs) Pinnacle Moment.
0: (laughs) Definitely one of your favourite tracks. (laughs) (laughs) I just always
1: forget the names of songs. Locomotion.
0: It's definitely not Locomotion. I should be so lucky. Definitely not that
1: one either. It's... um, got to be certain.
0: I'm going to be honest. I still have that. I actually don't know that song.
1: Well, you were born in the same year that it was, um, it had come out. So it was actually came out in 1988. Yeah. So okay. You probably wouldn't. It is quite still a popular song and they, I think they do still play it on the radio on mix or.
0: Yeah. Right. Smooth or something, well, I'll have we to don't. add it to the list. You
1: definitely do. It's one of my faves.
0: Perfect. And then my second question for you today, Danny. I want to give you a little hypothetical situation. Mm -hmm. So, let's pretend for a hot minute you are a rising star and you're going to perform your first duet Mm -hmm. and you can pick any artist to come up on stage with you. Who are you choosing?
1: Oh, oh, wow. Uh, I've got so many that I could probably choose. Uh, Instantly, that (laughs) person... Probably hilariously, the first person that came to my head was actually Celine Dion, right. um, and you know, probably she would she would definitely drown me out. I mean, she's a powerhouse, <laughs> she right? Is an actual powerhouse. <laughs> so you know, it may not be so much a duet as just me being a backup singer, but I'd be okay with that as <laughs> hey, well.
0: What an experience it, to have! It
1: would be great. I um, mean, she's just such a diva, so I love that. Um, or the other option actually would be um, Lady Gaga.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, she'd be really cool to do a duet with, and she's worked with so many different artists. Mm-hmm she'd know how to, like, let you have your- Definitely. Your space and your time. And I
1: think we would be like just such a great performance, like visually mm. as well. Yeah. I could just imagine her being on the piano and me lying obviously on top of it yeah. um, and having that moment together. I think that would actually be really cool. Yeah,
0: I love that. Yeah. Sounds like you've thought about it in depth.
1: Like <laughs> in the five seconds that you gave me, the now I've got this whole performance like mapped out in my brain yeah. about how we would look <laughs> on stage together. Outfits and everything. So, well, there you go.
0: I love it. I'm here for it. Thanks. I Hate to see the show you would uh, mine I would do a duet with Kelly Clarkson and I'd of look up well I've spoken about her a fair bit I just love her yeah um, she's incredible she'd destroy me well that voice yeah I mean come on but she's amazing. I just want to be able to tell the grandkids something really special and that would be it for me yes.
1: I could see it. I could actually, I'm um, again visualizing your performance in my head.
0: Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I love this for us. So, before we kick off with the episode, I've got a couple of quick announcements to make. Um, the first one is. Danny and I actually recorded another episode that we were really excited to share with everyone, but unfortunately there was some technical issues and we ummed and art about it, but when we sat down and discussed it, we decided that we didn't want to put something out that mm-hmm. just wasn't up to scratch. Yeah. So it was a difficult decision and we'd put a lot of work into that episode, but we decided mutually that we would not release that episode and yeah. we would do another one. Mm-hmm. So... Welcome. This is that other one.
1: I know, so exciting.
0: I also have to tell everyone that my little uh, toy poodle Kroshitsu is running around us. She's not normally here. <laughs> she's not a big barker. She's more of a. She's quite a quiet young girl. But she's I'm beautiful. just gonna just gonna let everyone know that she's here in case she decides to randomly bark. <laughs> um, her name's Evie, and she's just the apple of my eye. Is that what they say? I just love her so much. Yes, she's, that is definitely what you say. She's and she is just beautiful.
1: And she's my niece, actually. She so. is your niece. Mm. Yeah,
0: she loves mm. Annie Danny. Mm. Perfect. So, I've told these rules a million times, but just in case you're new to the podcast, my name's Michael. This is Guessing Game Musical Legacies. Basically, what's going to happen is I'm going to tell you a singer's life story from birth to death, and it's your job to guess. You've got... Danny, the co-host here, helping out today with guessing. If you guess incorrectly, well, if Danny guesses incorrectly, you get a little buzz. And if Danny guesses correctly, we're going to party. Yep. It's a Friday night. Why not? Why not? I think that's it. Danny, did you have any questions before we kick off?
1: I don't have any questions, but I do also want to um, send an apology out to the audience um, in case... um, I have been sick this last week. Oh, yes. So, if I um, start getting croaky or sound a bit weird, I do apologise. This is not my usual voice, but hopefully we'll be right. We'll get through it. It's fine.
0: Do you know it's what? Cool. It's that sort of weird mid-weather in Adelaide at the moment. We're going from boiling mm. hot to freezing cold. Yep. Yeah, I've felt it all week. My hay fever's just been off the bloody chart. Mm.
1: Oh, I, yeah, and that on top of it as well. So, you know, yeah. I've just had a double whammy of it this week, so that's great. I feel
0: like that's I'm fun. basically <laughs> keeping Telfast in business, so, <laughs> <Same>. so <laughs> yeah, I, I bought a hundred pack of antihistamines. A hundred mm. pack.
1: And Isn't you're down to
0: two There's There's one sheet left. <laughs> 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 Perfect. All right. Well, I'm going to kick off with the episode. So excited. Episode 007, the second time. Mm. Who am... Aye. I was born on the 12th of September, 1944, in Galveston, Texas, Mm. to parents Melvin and Sadie. My parents never married, so originally I took my mother's surname, but later in life would change to my father's surname.
1: Okay. I'm
0: not telling you the surname, so it's not really giving away too much of a hint, unless you know that story. Don't
1: know that story.
0: No. (laughs) I was the oldest of two, Mm -hmm. with a younger brother named Daryl. My father was a machinist and my mother was an actor turned piano teacher. Oh. Sadly, my father was not present through much of my childhood. He'd visit, drop money and leave to return to his other family.
1: I mean, at least he, you know, chipped in with money. Yeah. That's pretty decent. I mean, I'm sure
0: there's plenty of people that just would leave altogether and have zero involvement. So, I guess yeah, at least he was there dropping off some coin and then taking off. Financially
1: supporting at least.
0: Yeah. Growing up, I was surrounded by music from a young age and stayed glued to the phonograph when mama played her records. Mm. Symphonies, sonatas, melodies soaring through me. As a result of this, I learned to harmonize at only four years old. That is incredible. Absolutely. I'm 36 years old and I can't harmonize. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is a very difficult art. So yeah? don't don't beat yourself up about
0: it too much. Oh, well, I'll forget about it after yep. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the Watts neighborhood of South Central Los Angeles, mm. California, okay. and inspired by my mother's collection of classical music, decided to take up Piano. I sang in the local church choir. Of course, I'm still waiting for an episode where they don't sing in the local church choir. Yeah, and I went on to play the organ. Mmm, that's a cool little instrument. It's pretty cool. And I say little; it's huge. It's massive, <laughs>
1: <laughs> especially if it's in a church and it's got those giant pipes. pipes. Yeah, I mean the the sound is incredible. Because let's be honest, the the good thing about churches is the acoustics.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. So those it big does. hollow roofs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I also assisted the choir director. Mm. Mum would read Bible chapters to my brother and I every night. And as much as I wanted to have strong faith, some of the sights I would see in my youth would make it very difficult for mm-hmm. me.
1: Well, yes, growing up in that era.
0: And I think that's the thing, right? So many people throw themselves into faith, but then they question how can these horrible things happen?
1: mm Yes,
0: I think it's a very valid question.
1: As a once devout Catholic myself,
0: yeah, yes, I can relate. Yeah, uh, I was often credited as playing piano on Jesse Belvin's 1956 hit single "Goodnight, My Love" as an 11-year-old. Hmm. However, would later in life publicly deny having any involvement in the song. I believed that this story had been an exaggeration by journalists, as Jesse and I had grown up in the same neighborhood. Hmm. This isn't really relevant to anything, but hmm. for this singer. It was really pushed by the media that they'd been involved in Good Night, My Love. Okay. And they absolutely had nothing to do with it. In fact, there was Sweet. 12 years between this singer and Jesse Belvin's. They wouldn't have been friends. They wouldn't have hung out. It's a, It was a strange thing. Did they thing. know each other? No, I don't know. No relationship? No. Okay. I guess it's just <laughs> another example of the media yeah. saying whatever but, they feel like. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Got to get those readers.
1: I don't know why, but when you said Good Night, My Love, all I kept Thinking in my head was, goodbye, mama. <laughs> close? Very close. Not quite the same. Okay. So it's definitely not James Blunt? No. Okay. No. <laughs> Do you want to, like, buzzer me to be like, Nah, because I <laughs> I don't.
0: Joking. I think you know James Blunt wasn't born in 44.
1: Well, if he was, he, he looks be. bloody great. could be a bloody vampire, <laughs>
0: couldn't he? he could. Edward Cullen. <laughs> He's very pale. <laughs> yeah, he is quite pale, actually. English man, that's why. I attended Jacob A. Reese High School, an all boys academy mm-hmm. in southeast Los Angeles. And when I was 13, this is just a cute little fact. Okay. When I was 13 years old, my juvenile squeaky voice broke. I woke up one morning, spoke to my mother, and my mother cried because oh. she knew her baby boy had become a man. Oh. Now, I put this Puberty in here strange. because oh, I actually don't really remember my voice breaking. I still don't know if it has. <laughs> Because <laughs> my voice is quite high sometimes, a isn't it? Bit, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Which so, which makes me
1: more intrigued to know what you sounded like as a child. Oh. I think we may need to get Mama Carrie onto this one. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's just crazy because I think back to school and I remember we'd go away for school holidays mm. and then come back and some of the boys, you know, their voices had changed so drastically that never happened with me. Okay, mine probably lowered yeah. a bit. Yeah, okay. slowly over time. Yeah. But I never had that drastic. Like, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Different person. Cut over. Who
1: even is this person that's walked into the room. Yeah. Mm, Okay.
0: So, my mum never cried because I never became (laughs) a man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's still waiting. She's still waiting. Um, But she still loves that anyway. Yeah, she does. It's fine.
0: When I was in eighth grade, I met my first girlfriend, Mary. Mm-hmm. Mary and I were childhood sweethearts and were known for being that couple in love. Oh, We were crazy about each other in that special private universe way only kids can be. Oh, cute. Yeah.
1: That just gave me all the feels.
0: Yeah. That makes me sad. Uh, oh, oh. I feel like there's now a sad story coming. Well, up. I had a lot of girlfriends when uh, I was in primary school. Of course you did. Yeah, heaps. You're
1: quite the player, I <laughs> yeah. hear.
0: I don't know if you can be called a boy, <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um, Um, And I remember feeling like that, like the first person you wake, you think about in the morning and the last person you think about at night and just being almost well obsessed with someone. Mm. Um, My adult life hasn't quite been the same. Not to say that I haven't had some wonderful relationships and I feel strongly about people, but I feel like when I was little, it just completely took over everything in my life.
1: I think it's also because when you're, when you're younger, like it's kind of a first Feel. Do you know you're, what I mean? Do you
0: know what? The you are 100% emotion. right. Yeah, it's the yeah. first time
1: you're getting to experience that emotion. And obviously, when you're a kid, everything just seems so much more dramatic and bigger. And I, I think that's kind of cool that you lose that over time. And I guess, you know, as you get older, you just start to realize that, you know, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes you, you just glad that you don't have those same intense emotions for people as you first did when you were a kid. Well,
0: like, I'm just thinking, could you imagine getting up and going to work, but feeling as strongly nah, as, oh, like I'd that is just, yeah. Because at I least when, no you were,
1: well, when you were a kid, and obviously a childhood sweetheart, meaning they probably went to school together, mm. you're getting to see that person every day as mm. well. So, you're not only waking up and thinking about them and going to bed thinking about them, but you've also spent all day with them as well. So, obviously those feelings do tend to intensify yeah because you know when you're an adult how often do you get to see that person every single day unless you work with them yeah obviously which that's just a big giant red flag for me if you ask yeah
0: absolutely (laughs) absolutely i had a troubled youth being in a two-man gang with my brother daryl i would describe my bad behavior as an addiction i'd sneak out of the house steal a car oh wow drive it around for a while and then return it at the age of 16, I was jailed for four months oh, for stealing $30,000 worth of Cadillac tires. and just to would have been a lot. Right. So, just to give you some insight there, mm-hmm. $30,000 worth of Cadillac tires is the equivalent of $200,000 worth of tires now. Yeah. Wowzers. Yeah.
1: I wonder how many tires precisely that would be.
0: I actually don't know. Mm, it's interesting. Yeah. The police had been tired of dealing with me and decided that it was time for me to pay some time. Mm-hmm. Do the crime, pay the time.
1: Absolutely.
0: My brother was also in prison at that same time, and this broke my mother's heart. Oh, God. She was shattered because she didn't raise these boys mm-hmm. to behave like this. No way. And to have your two adolescents, or a youth, yeah. whatever you want to call them, yeah. in prison at the same time, just... I and sorry,
1: know. was Daryl the oldest?
0: Daryl was the... Or was he the youngest? Uh, sorry, Daryl was the younger of the two. Youngest. Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, so he was this mystery person is the like he's the leader of their two two man gang which can you really call it a gang if it's only two people
0: (laughs) i think there are other people involved as well but maybe they're like the consistent members Mm. and also i'm just going to come out and say i don't think that the singer is the leader of the gang daryl's a bad boy
1: (gasps) Mm. yeah it's usually the youngest ones you got to worry about
0: yeah (laughs) yeah Mm. shannon my little sister if you're listening (laughs) when i was reading this story and Mm. then writing it out, this person referred to themselves as a gangbanger quite a bit, um, which I think has a different name, a different (laughs) meaning these days. But back then, if you were someone who associated with gangs and you were out in the hood all the time, Mm. you were a gangbanger. Gangbanger. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sounds a bit Rat packish. Yeah. Is this singer in like that kind of era? Because we haven't quite gotten onto genres of music yet, Um, have we? Not quite.
0: Okay. It's actually a bit of a long journey to okay. that. okay well, yeah, so it's a really quite a backstory. Yeah, it is. it really story. is. Okay, great. let's go. So I just want to let you know this person does actually blame their father for not being a present strong mm-hmm. role model in their life and Fair. believes that you know they them and their brother went down the wrong path because their father wasn't there. Yeah. So while I was in jail, I heard the song "It's Now or Never" by Elvis Presley, which I actually don't know. That's do you know that it's song? It's
1: now or never.
0: Oh, Ooh, I don't know the rest of the words. I mean, that was wonderful yeah, though. You did a great a, job.
1: Do do, kiss me, my darling. Oh, be mine tonight. Beautiful, something like that. I don't know.
0: So, when they heard this song, it changed the course of their life. Mm. I'd been in prison for a couple of months at this stage and had come to the realisation that I needed to change my ways or I would just end up back in here. And I hated Mm. prison. Yeah, fair. I went before a judge who knew of me and my brother Mm -hmm. feeling terrified. Mm. Yes. A little bit of a preconception there. Mm. The judge scathed me, but eventually said, I'm going to let you go home, boy. Just remember, son. I'm going to be your judge from now on. Whenever you get in trouble, if you come back here before me for so much as a jaywalking ticket, you'll have 22 months to think about it.
1: Wow. Yeah. Really cut him into line. Yeah. Sorry, how old is he at this point?
0: Uh, 16. Oh, geez. Okay, mm. wow. Yeah. So young,
1: which is fair. Good on that judge.
0: Yeah. Love and that. I think as well, like um, this thing actually did, did do relatively well in school. Mm, So that sort of made the judge more frustrated because they could see, look, you're performing well in school. Mm. Uh, You're a good kid. What are you doing? Yeah. The first thing I did when I got out was hug my mother and cry.
1: Oh, stop it. Thank you.
0: I knew I was never coming back to prison.
1: Yay. Oh, I love this story already.
0: Yeah. It is actually quite a feel good story for part of it. Okay. Yeah. Shortly after leaving prison, three of my friends visited and asked me to sing bass for them in their group, The Upfronts. Mm-hmm. The following day, I met with the group's producer and songwriter, Mr. Lummy Fowler. It's <laughs> a great first name. I've never heard of or the Lummy. name Lummy before. <laughs> we rehearsed for Lummy and he was impressed. A few days later, he told us that we were good enough to go to the studio where we recorded our first song, Little Girl. Okay. The song didn't chart. However, I was so happy with our first recording. I played the song for my mum and she said... You did a very good job on that, baby.
1: Oh. Isn't
0: that nice? <laughs> oh
1: my God, I just love this relationship.
0: Yeah. It's really sweet. Yeah. The group would continue spending time in the studio, recording demo tracks, and as a result, I branched out and did some singing with local groups like The Atlantics and The Majestics. On my 18th birthday, which was also the first day back at school for my graduating year, mm-hmm. I skipped class to walk to Capitol Records, where I stood across the street, staring for hours. I think that sounds inspirational, but also kind of like you're a bit of a creep. I mean... Four hours is an awful long time.
1: It is a long time. And was he literally just standing there staring?
0: I... Yeah, I'm not... (laughs) Awkward. Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) Seeing the liveliness of that area inspired me to work in Hollywood and the entertainment industry. Yeah, cool. Much to my mother's disappointment, I dropped out of school. Mm. Every following day, I'd get up and make the trip to Capitol Records. One day, I ran into a friend who invited me to sit in on a recording session at a nearby studio. The studio was owned by Leon Rene, who also owned Class Records and had produced hits for Eugene Church and Bobby Day. Now, Bobby Day sang okay. Rock and Robin.
1: Oh, yeah. Rock and Robin. Doot, doot. twiddley Yes. I always think of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually getting a bit nervous about this story because I actually started to sit there and think, oh, God. Is Capital Records going to, like, take him for stalking? He has to go back to the judge. <laughs> so, I'm glad he moved on to oh, a different record. Oh, that judge would not be happy with that. not be happy.
0: No, he'd be, he'd be in strife. Mm. Uh, Leon got me into the recording booth and, amazed by my rhythm, paid me $100. So, here's the thing, Wow. Though, they That's weren't awesome. singing. Oh. They were recording a track for another artist. Okay. And they needed a clapping beat to go with it. Wow. And so, this singer went in there and all they did was clap. They were like... I've got great rhythm. I can do this. I got this. Don't challenge me. Went in, clapped, and they were so impressed, I think they were meant to get about $30. They were so impressed they gave them 100 bucks.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And $100 Who back you then. You earn money for clapping. Right. I'm in the wrong business, here. yeah. <laughs> right, absolutely. And that sort of got me thinking because mm. 100 bucks back then would have been huge. My first job, I was paid $9.50 an hour, and that was working at Kmart. Mm. I don't know what your first job was. My very first job was at the Paradise Hotel, actually, as a kitchen hand. Oh. Yeah,
1: worst six months of my life. So,
0: is that washing dishes? So
1: I started as a dishwasher and then I went on to salad bar. P.S. Never go to a place with a salad bar. I just salad filing. bar. I know you do. I it makes me so nervous every time bar. you go. I'm just like looking at it going, ugh. Um, <laughs> but, you know, learned a lot, grew a lot <laughs> in six months. It was actually my very, very first job out of high school because I wasn't allowed to work during school. Yeah, So, right. yeah, came out of high school and went into hospitality. Australia. Yeah,
0: far out. I actually, got so you co- were paid quite
1: a decent wage though. I was on like twenty six an hour. Wow. Yeah, because I was only casual, and then I was picking up like split shifts. So I, I was kind of raking it in when yeah. I first, just like yeah, my
0: first job. Well, I just thought to myself, if I'd had for a hundred bucks, I would have had to have done eleven hours' work at Kmart.
1: Look, if I had, could make a choice and go clap for a hundred bucks, <laughs> or do dishes for ten hours a day, yeah, I hundred percent would pick the clapping. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> agreed agreed mary and i had our first child when i was 16 years old oh wow we would go on to have a total oh, god of four kids together Mouses. marrying when i was 18 i personally didn't feel ready for marriage however was pressured by my mother-in-law
1: oh the mother-in-law yeah really? i thought the mum would have been all like Now, come on, mate.
0: Yeah, so did I. And actually, I think I initially wrote mistakenly mother, but Mm. it was the mother in law. Yeah,
1: okay.
0: We lived separately for the first six months of the wedding, and Mary, wanting a steady income, did not support me and my passion for music.
1: Oh. Just sounds to me like this
0: relationship sort of (sighs) destined Mm. for disaster Mm -hmm. already. Yeah. In 1962, I built a reputation for myself in the industry for my rhythm and producing skills. That bloody clapping. Yeah. I worked on several projects, however, really wanted to write, arrange, and produce my own record. Mm. I poured four months of my time into trying to put the record together. However, as interest feigned, I began doubting my abilities. Aww. Can't doubt your abilities in that industry. <sighs> really can't. They will eat you up and spit you out. Literally. I'd learned that from a movie or something, I think.
1: <laughs>
0: Sounded great. I haven't personally been to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> haven't you? No, that's a shock. No, I've never. I've, I, honestly, I have transited LA airport and went to Vegas. I've actually never been to LA. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Because I've actually been to Capitol Records. Oh, have um, you? Yeah, I've been to LA three times. Oh my gosh. Um, and yeah, seen yeah a lot of LA, including Capitol
0: Records. Yeah, I love you that. You can't miss it. It's a giant record. Oh, really? You can actually see it from the sky as well. It's kind of cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Yeah, I'd really like to go to LA. You should. Yeah. I am shocked. I'm just sort of... Look, (laughs) I don't get involved in politics. I'm not a politics person. Me neither. But I didn't want to go there when... Donald was in power. I get that. And I have a bit of a fear for my beautiful American friends that Donald may be in power again shortly. So
1: terrifying.
0: Unfortunately, I won't be visiting when he's in power. But he can only do another four years, right? And then he's done. Yeah.
1: Plus, um, don't bother going now because the dollar is absolutely rubbish.
0: Oh, our dollar versus (laughs) the US is.
1: I actually died.
0: Yeah, right. It's really bad. (laughs) It's worse than the recession. I finished my first piece of music, love theme. I don't know if you know that song.
1: Not like Love Game.
0: No, nah. actually, I'm just going to tell you. You probably don't know that song, I really but I reckon don't. if I played it for you, you'd be like, "I do know this Got song." This. Yeah. Okay. So I finished my first piece of music, love theme, in 1963. Although I didn't get to record it for at least another 10 years, oh, okay. it would eventually go on to become an anthem and sell over 4 million copies and hit the charts three different times.
1: Wow
0: wide world of sports would use love theme on its Saturday afternoon golf program for 16 years golf yeah and you know it's 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 actually just music I was like just I listened to of it music, today right? okay. yeah it's it's just a piece of music okay. and as soon as I heard it I was like yes okay. like yeah. I loved it it's All great because
1: right. I was wondering when you said anthem I was like it has to be a piece of just a general piece of music right? yeah
0: okay cool in the same year 1962 I had a brief relationship with a woman named Gertha Allen.
1: Hang on, what happened to Mary?
0: Yeah, so look it's not really clear, but okay. I think Mary was still my wife
1: okay. and I might have had a little, little maybe thing? had a
0: couple too many drinks at the pub and I ended up in Gertha's <laughs> house. Mm. Yeah So I had a brief relationship With a woman named Gertha Allen Gertha would go on To give birth To a daughter Denise Who would not know me As her father Until 1988 Wow So that's 26 years later
1: (gasps) So did but he knew about her? I don't
0: know. Okay. And, again, that's not really made it's clear made either. Okay. But what is made clear is that in 1988 when he met his daughter Denise, mm-hmm. he fully supported her, okay. changed her surname to his surname, oh, wow. um, financially was there for her. So, right. I look, I don't know that I believe he knew. I have a feeling maybe he didn't know.
1: Yeah. It sounds like if he is now, like, at that point went, oh, crap, let me – yeah. Let me be
0: here for you now. Absolutely. Okay. And when I read that, I was like, oh, it's kind of really nice. I know.
1: Yeah. I can't, like, I hate that he did the dirty. If he did the dirty, it does kind of sound that way. But at the same time, what a sweetheart. Yeah. Now I just feel I have conflicting emotions.
0: <laughs> this whole story is quite conflicting, <laughs> if I'm honest. Very much so. <laughs> In 1965, I produced the track Feel or Right" by the Bell Cantos, mm. which was released under the label Downey. I would then record my debut single, Man Ain't Nothing, I Don't Need It, which would also be released by Downey under an alias in okay.
1: 1966.
0: Okay. I'm not really sure why the alias. I'm a bit confused about it. Yeah. And I don't think you will know that song. I'm not sure. In the mid '60s, I was hired by Bob Keane of del Records as an A&R man for his new Bronco Records imprint. Now, I'm not sure if you remember when I went through A&R men before in a previous episode, but basically, they're like, I guess, talent scouts. Ah, uh, okay, yes. So they go out to find the new yes. talent. Yeah. I began working with the label's artists, including Viola Willis mm-hmm. and the Bobby Fuller Four. Okay. I don't know either. Of not them. sure. I should probably look them up. They might be great. They sound great. Yeah. We might be discovering something here. I discovered the singer Felice Taylor and arranged the song I Feel Love Coming On For Her, which would go on to become a big hit in the UK. Bronco Records issued one of my first singles, All In The Run Of A Day, in 1967. Mm -hmm. And I also wrote Doing The Banana Split (laughs) for TV bubblegum pop act, the banana splits. I
1: mean, cool.
0: Yeah. That we definitely have to look up. I really, really, really want <laughs> to hear that. So fun. it's I feel like it's gonna be real kitschy. I think it's giving like crazy frog vibes. Obviously not the same, but like yeah. you know, like a sixties like like version. A baby shark or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 1969, I was signed for Forward Records of Los Angeles, which was a division of Transcontinental Entertainment Corporation as a producer. Okay. That same year, Mary and I separated and then divorced. Which, look, let's be honest, that was on the cards, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yes.
1: Well, I'm glad now he's, like, free to do what he wants now.
0: Yeah. Good job. I mean, he has got five children, though. Well, <laughs> four that he knows of. Yes. Yeah. In 1972, I got my first big break Producing a girl group I discovered called Love Unlimited. Okay. The group was similar to The Supremes, mm-hmm. and we worked hard for two years to hone the group's talents. The group was signed by Uni Records, and music industry businessman Larry Nunes helped finance their first album. Now, that's not really relevant, but Larry Nunes comes up again, and he is an important part of this story.
1: Okay. He kind of sounds familiar.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's because Nunez is just such a common name. But maybe you do know of him. The album, from a girl's point of view, we give to you, Love Unlimited, (laughs) became the first of my string of long-titled albums and singles. Okay. I love a really long title.
1: very forgettable, though.
0: So annoying. When I was writing this story, (laughs) I was like, these titles are ridiculous. (laughs) I produced, wrote, and arranged the group's classic soul ballad, Walking in the Rain with the One I Love, which hit number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 pop chart and number six on the Billboard R&B chart. Okay. It became my first million-selling single as writer and producer and reached number 12 on the UK charts. Wow. My voice can be clearly heard in the single as I play the lover who answers the phone call to the female lead. Of course. Now... We're getting close to the part mm-hmm. where I think you'll have a light bulb moment. Okay. How are you feeling at the moment? So far not confident. Yeah. But okay. I'm
1: loving the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. When I wrote this, I was like, I don't feel confident and I know <laughs> I know the answer.
1: Okay. <laughs> that that really instills some confidence. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> In 1973, I created the Love Unlimited Orchestra, Mm -hmm. a 40-piece orchestral group which was originally planned to be the backing band for the girl group Love Unlimited. Mm -hmm. Checks out. Same name. Mm -hmm. I recorded my single, Love's Theme, with the band and released it the same year, the single reaching number one on the Billboard pop charts. Okay. Although I wanted to work with another group – I decided to work with a solo male artist, so I'm still really behind the scenes. I've yeah. got a couple of singles out, but okay. I'm not a big performer at this point.
1: And a little cameo in a song.
0: Yeah, yep, on the phone. Okay. Yep. yep. Whilst working on a few demos for the male singer, I made three demos of myself singing and playing. Larry Nunes heard the tracks and insisted that I re-record and release them myself as a solo recording artist. Okay. We argued about this for several days. However, I was finally persuaded to release the songs myself. Okay. And when you know who this artist is, you'll be like, why? You why? Yeah. It's so weird. Okay. I'm already confused just... though,
1: because like who would who would be like, No, I just don't <laughs> think I could do that? I'm not gonna do this. But I then why if sing you're it really in the shy.
0: Yeah. Well, but he was singing them as demos to give to the artist uh, that he was working with. Okay. So the idea behind that is they pick it up, they learn the song, they perform it. So Got it's it. really not meant to go anywhere. But okay. Larry overheard them and was like, mm. Hey, these are sick. You need to actually work on these properly and release them as singles.
1: Wow, okay. Yeah.
0: I wrote several other songs, recorded them and created an entire album. I was going to release that album under another alias, but decided to use my own name this time instead. Okay. I was really hesitant right up until the time the label copy was made, but chose to release the album in the end. My debut album, I've Got So Much To Give, was released in 1973 and included my first solo chart hit, I'm Gonna Love You Just A Little More Baby which rose to number one on the Billboard R&B charts and Mm -hmm. stayed in the top 40 for many weeks. Now, I'm just going to come out and tell you I actually don't know that song. I don't know. It sounds like it did really well. Yeah. I'm not a huge R&B fan, but then every time I say that, I realise I do actually like quite a bit of R&B music. Yeah.
1: Well, Um, it is such a vast, like, genre.
0: Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Also, 1973, what were you doing in 1973,
1: Danny? I mean, I was barely a twinkle in my father's <laughs> eye, to be completely honest. Um, nothing, yeah.
0: Here we go. Okay. In 1973, I released my second album, Stone Gone, which included the hit, and this is really funny, okay. Never, Never Gonna Give You Up, which is not Never Gonna I know. Give You I, Up.
1: Obviously, that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, which is why it's funny. Rick Hasley.
0: The song reached number two on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart and peaked at number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Okay. This is the paragraph. If you don't get it here, I actually don't know what we're going to do. Very nervous. (laughs) Listeners, I hope you're ready. Mm -hmm. And I may even have a little something prepared to perform for you. Oh! In 1974, I released my third album under the 20th Century label, Can't Get Enough. The album included the two chart-topping hits, Can't Get Enough of Your Love, and You're the First, The Last, My Everything.
1: Okay. Can't Get Enough of Your Love. Um, I know this song. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, it's go- it goes...
0: Because darling, be I can't, can't get, get enough, enough of, of your love, love, baby.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Barry White. Oh my
0: God. Congratulations! Oh
1: my gosh, I'm sitting there going, the voice, the voice. I've just got that voice in my such head.
0: Such a distinct, so distinct. voice. Yeah. Hey, like so deep, so deep, and just beautiful. So and he's such a lyricist when it yes. comes to the beautiful love songs that he writes. Yes, I'm really glad you got it. So yes, Oh thank
1: God I did too. Because I'm going, I'm playing it in my head, I'm playing it in my head, and it's, you have to do it in the voice though, because it doesn't work.
0: You do, last. yeah, yeah. So can't get enough of your love would go on to become. My signature tune, and I would perform it live on the midnight special and on Soul Train. Amazing. My name is Barry White. Yay,
1: Barry! Now,
0: also I love obviously, the name Barry. <laughs> yeah, Barry's a great name. My neighbour used to be called Barry, and I always felt safe when he was home. Yeah. Like, if anything ever happened to me, Barry would. Jump the fence Tides and beater. sort him out. Um, I obviously can't sing like Barry White because he had a bass Nobody voice, can. and <laughs> I think my voice is falsetto naturally. Very much so. But I just love the fir- the intro to "Can't Get Enough of Your Love." Yes, do you know it? Yes. So I thought maybe I might let's do it. Read it out. Yes. So I've heard people say that too much of anything is not good for you, baby. But I don't know about that. There's many times that we've loved and we've shared love and we've made love. It doesn't seem to me like it's ever enough. There's just not enough of it. So oh, I can't Michael, obviously sing like Barry that was White. Beautiful. And I have to tell you, I love that song. Mm. And it's not often that I love a cover more than the original. But I would put Taylor Dane's cover of Can't Get Enough of Your Love. It's definitely up there. Very, very close.
1: Well, because she kind of had a fairly, fe- like for a female, a yeah. fairly similar tone she of did. voice to Barry White. But obviously just on the on the female version of it. But yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I have to agree. But she kept it quite authentic. It, do you know what? It sounds like a different song almost. Yes. Yeah. All right. So in nineteen seventy four, Barry married Love Ultimate singer, so the lead singer of Love Ultimate, Glodine James. Ooh. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Barry and Glodine would go on to have oh four children.
1: So he's got nine kids. <laughs> he's got kids nine all kids. Up. Yeah. Wow. It's a good thing you're starting to make money. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Loves a child. And you know what? When he was with Mary, I didn't include this in the story, but it is in his autobiography. Mm-hmm. He was skint. Like he really wow. didn't have much money. Okay. And for a period of time there, he was doing all kinds of things. Like he ran, like managed a toy shop. um oh, wow. He was just trying to do anything to get money yeah. to support his family. Or struggling
1: artists. That's yeah. very
0: common. Absolutely. But by this point, he's mm. doing pretty well.
1: Now that I know it's Barry White, though, nine kids makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That voice. Yeah. It would yeah. just get any woman, really.
0: I'm almost in bed with <laughs> him. And, I mean, he's dead.
1: <laughs> right? You get it. You I get it. it.
0: Uh, so, there are four kids, including daughter, Shahira. Shahira. Who became Barry's personal assistant. Oh. Son, Barry Jr., who played in the Love unlimited orchestra mm-hmm. and was barry's seniors tour manager mm-hmm. and son mckevin oh and it's actually like mac kevin yeah. which gives me mcdonald's vibes <laughs> uh who worked in barry's publishing administration
1: oh wow so it's all in the family
0: yeah so with his uh this sounds terrible but with mm. his newer children they mm-hmm. were quite involved in his life okay yeah
1: I hope he still kept in touch with the other one.
0: Um, I think he did. I didn't include this in the story, but pos- mm. posthumously, mm. a couple of his kids actually sued his estate for money. Okay. So I don't know how their relationship was towards the end, okay. but I know that Barry didn't want his children to have the same experience growing up that he had with his father well that's
1: exactly what I was thinking because if he yeah. did then he's just no better than his
0: father yeah no so he was he
1: blamed his whole life right,
0: right. Yeah. exactly he was really aware of that and in Good. his book um he made a point of saying I'll never leave my children
1: amazing yeah. okay great love this yeah Back on board with Barry. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a TV show. (laughs) So, Barry released several other singles in the 70s and they've all got really long titles. Of course. Here we go. What am I going to do with you? Mm -hmm. Let the music play. It's ecstasy when you lay down next to me and your sweetness is my weakness.
1: Oh, I kind of love that last one.
0: Your sweetness is my weakness. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I spent about 6 hours listening to Barry White yeah. today, and you know what? I enjoyed all of his okay. songs. They're all really good. Yeah, they would be. All of these hits fared well on the charts, mm. reaching in the top 5 on the R&B charts. Amazing. Barry also had a strong following in the UK, achieving five top ten hits and a number one for You're the First, The Last, My Everything, which is my second favourite okay. Barry song. Do you know it?
1: I don't know. Is it, oh it's a ballad gosh. though, right? It has to be a ballad.
0: Um, is it? I don't really know how to describe it. Okay. It's good though. Yeah. I'll play it for you. As soon yeah, as we're yeah. done, I'm, I'm going to ask Google because it's such a good song. Need to hear it. Due to his large frame, deep voice and facial hair, he was given the nickname the Walrus of Love. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That, so much. that was specifically in the UK, though. So mm-hmm. that was the Brits. Obviously. Uh, in the States, he was lovingly, lovingly referred to as Dr. Love, the yep. King of Disco, mm-hmm. and the Ambassador of Romance.
1: Oh, that's a title. Sounds like
0: he writes dirty novels <laughs> yeah. that he sells for $5, Mills um, and Boone or something, absolutely. doesn't it? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Although, like, he could totally pull off a audiobook.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like a do, you know,
1: of a romance novel. Oh, yeah. could you imagine that? That would sell millions.
0: I wonder if they could do that with AI now. I'm sure they could. You know, AI can do all those crazy things. Absolutely. Bloody kids and their technology. (laughs) (laughs) In 1975, Barry did voiceover work for the film. I feel racist saying this. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but the film is called Coon Skin. Okay. Now, just to give our international listeners a little bit of context, um, we had a very large brand of cheese here in Australia called Coon um, and they changed their name because Coon is a racial slur over here mm-hmm. and they changed it to cheer, which I think was a terrible, I not I'm not into oh. cheer, but I fully support them changing change. the name. If someone's offended by that, yeah. why can't you change it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about the film Coon Skin. I don't know mm. what it's about. And maybe that's not anything racial in mm. the States, but it does, oh, it gives me the gives, it me gives the me the heebie-jeebies. The yeah, yeah, definitely got the ick there. So, Barry played the character Brother Bear. Oh. He later played the character Samson in the movie's live action segments. Oh, okay. After six years, Barry left 20th century in 1979 to launch his own label, mm-hmm. Unlimited Gold. And then I've got written here, tell me you love the word unlimited without telling <laughs> <laughs> because it's like the band Yes The orchestra Yes The late mate We get it You're really into the word unlimited Well
1: because he's not putting a limit on he's himself He's
0: not limited Yeah
1: makes absolute sense. Yeah,
0: it does. Although Barry's success on the pop chart slowed down as the disco era came to an end, Mm. he maintained a loyal following throughout his career. Despite several albums over the next three years, he failed to repeat his earlier successes with no singles managing to reach the Billboard Hot 100, except for 1982's Change, climbing into the Billboard R&B Top 20 at number 12. His label venture was exacting a heavy financial cost, Mm. so he concentrated on mostly touring, and finally folded his label in
1: 1983.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Do you know what? It's hard work. I'm sure running a label is just... Ridiculous. Yeah. So, I get it. This is a little bit sad. Okay. I I was waiting for it. Yeah. Later in 1983, Barry's brother, Daryl, was shot in the heart (gasps) and died. Oh, my gosh. Barry said of his brother, he was my best friend and my life till he died. He was night and I was day. He added that his brother was addicted to the world of crime, Mm. the way Barry himself grew to love music.
1: Okay. Oh, and I was thinking that, like, he obviously continued on with his um, gang days.
0: So, I decided not to put too much of it in the Mm. story, but I'll give you a little brief brief overall. Mm -hmm. So, he never stopped committing crime. He spent the majority of his life in prison. Mm. He would get out, he would be caught again, and he would go to prison. He was shot as part of gang warfare. So, it was all... Crime gang related. And the saddest part is Barry talks about how his brother was also quite a talented singer Mm. and they could harmonise, they Mm. could make beautiful songs together, but he wasn't interested in not having a life of crime. Okay. So so sad. It is it's it's heartbreaking. It is really, really sad. Sorry,
1: what year was this that he got
0: shot?
1: Nineteen eighty three. Okay, wow. Yeah. So he was still quite young.
0: Yeah. Really. Yeah, he was. So, uh, wow. obviously, this was really difficult for Barry's mum mm. as well. And Barry put a lot of pressure of it on himself because his dad wasn't there. His brother was just forever in prison. So, mm. he was the man of the house and he had to provide and support for his mum as well. Yeah. So, okay. it was a, a pretty, uh, Sad. pretty messy situation. Yeah. yeah. After four years, Barry signed with A and M Records, and with the release of 1987's "The Right Night" and Barry White, the single entitled "Show you Right" made it to the Billboard R and B charts, peaking at number 17. Love that! Yeah, I don't know it, but it sounds fun. Hey, it "The Right Night" and Barry White, "Show You're Right."
1: It's it's a lot of rhyming. It's so much rhyming. <laughs> it's a little um,
0: Doctor Seuss vibes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. In 1988, so I'm Alive and You're Alive, Uh Barry split from wife Glowdeen James. Oh, okay. Although not together, Barry and Glowdeen never legally divorced. Oh, okay. Yeah. In
1: 1989,
0: he released The Man Is Back and with it had three top 40 singles on the Billboard R&B charts. Super Lover, which I think is a self-title is, Mm. I mean, nine children. (laughs) Must be doing all right. He's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Super Lover made it to number 34. Um, I feel awkward. Okay. Mum or dad, if you're listening, turn away. (laughs) I want to do it good to you, Oh, which made it to number 26. Mm -hmm. And when will I see you again, which made it to number 32. Okay. A 1970s nostalgia fad allowed Barry to enjoy a renewed wave of popularity in the 1990s. After participating in the song, The Secret Garden, sweet seduction, (laughs) sweet... (laughs) <laughs> From Quincy Jones' 1989 album, Back on the Block, yeah. Quincy Jones, here he is here again. He is again. Barry mounted an effective comeback with several albums, each more successful than the one before. Mm. He returned to the top of the charts in 1991 with the album Put Me in Your Mix, which reached number eight on the Billboard R&B albums chart, and the song by the same name reaching number two on the Billboard R&B singles chart. Okay. This is a bit stat heavy, but then we get into sort of the personal, mm. personal stuff. In 1994, Barry released The Icon Is Love, which went to number one on the R&B album charts and the single Practice What You Preach. preach. Oh, that's exactly what yeah. I was
1: thinking of too. Right. Same mind.
0: Which gave him his first number one on the Billboard R&B singles chart in almost 20 years.
1: It's a similar time frame too. Actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The album was nominated for a Grammy in the Best R&B Album category, but lost to TLC's Crazy, Sexy, Cool.
1: Stop. Is that Waterfalls? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is. Well, I'm not, I don't actually maybe want to say because I'm not a big, I think I only know really Waterfalls and No Scrubs. Uh, Yeah,
0: they're the two that I know as well. Yeah. Yeah. Barry played the role of a bus driver for a Prodigy commercial in 1995. I don't know if that's Prodigy, the band. I just instantly think of Prodigy. Same. Do you remember that ad on TV where it was like, don't call triple zero in an emergency, call 131 And there was a clip and this woman was like, someone broke into my car and they stole my Prodigy CDs. (laughs) Do you remember that? And they were saying, if it's not an emergency, please don't call triple zero. Whenever I hear Prodigy, like if I hear the word Prodigy, I'm instantly taken back to that that. ad. Okay. Yeah. I love this for you. Yeah. Mm. I've got a sad life.
1: (laughs) I didn't want to say that.
0: (laughs) Barry also played the voice of a rabbit in a Good Seasons salad dressing mix commercial. <laughs> he's, just, he's just all over the place. He is. He sang a song called You Can't Bottle Love. He did some work for car commercials, including for Oldsmobile okay. and later on Jeep. Hmm. Barry provided voiceover for Arby's restaurant commercials on television and radio to promote its market fresh menu. Barry's voice can also be heard in Apple's first iBook commercial Stop
1: her! Yeah, so he
0: actually made a like a sort of big name for himself In commercials yeah. and TV shows and did guest appearances So he was in Ali McBeal Yeah, right Three times Okay And his music was heavily on that soundtrack oh, Which right. I own, by the way Oh, right I yeah. didn't doubt that <laughs> Which
1: is kind of funny Because most artists go from like jingles and, and commercials To start their career Yeah Whereas he's kind of gone a bit Backward with it Yeah Which I love
0: He went the opposite way Uh, And also He appeared as himself In two episodes Of The Simpsons
1: I was gonna say I'm pretty sure It was in The Simpsons But I I wasn't sure
0: If it was actually him It is him Yeah right And when I was reading Through this He actually Spoke to His management And was like I want to be on The Simpsons Amazing Make it happen Yeah. How cool is that I love that If anyone is listening I want to be on The Simpsons (laughs) Please, (laughs) if you could make that happen.
1: Also. Also, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: While on tour in the summer of 1995, Barry nearly collapsed after a concert. He took a break from performing and on October 30 of that year was hospitalized after having a stroke due to high blood pressure.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. He was in a coma for about four days, (gasps) but was discharged after a week after coming out of it. Okay. Okay. Barry struggled with his weight for most of his adult life. Yeah. Preach, sister. Don't we know it. And suffered from related health problems. Mm. He was also known to be a heavy smoker. This part blew my mind, okay. right? oh, God, here we go. We've known our fair share of smokers in our lives. <sighs> pretty and sure I've been one. <laughs> I've known smokers that have been somewhat heavier smokers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Barry reportedly smoked God. 150 cigarettes a day.
1: Okay. That math can't be right Like how That What does that equate to Right on, So on a day?
0: if he didn't sleep Yeah yeah It's every nine minutes Stop yeah. So you could do it But you would be
1: So if he Okay but that's if he didn't sleep
0: Yeah so if he did sleep I think it worked out to be about every six minutes He was <sighs> lighting up another one
1: That's literally chain smoking.
0: Yeah. Because
1: it takes about six minutes. But that's with having a very
0: little amount of sleep as well. Yeah. Anyway, this is just reportedly. So, I'm not saying it's 100% fact, but several of my sources wrote that he reportedly smoked around 150 cigarettes a day, which is roughly seven to eight packs. And can I just say, if you lived in Australia and smoked seven to eight packs a day, that would be, I'm not that good at math, but whatever seven or eight times 45 is. A lot. It's a lot of money. Like a lot. You'd be broke. Barry White couldn't afford to be a smoker in current Australia. Really? Co- well, no. No.
1: That blows my mind. It's crazy. I'm actually mind blown.
0: Like, I remember people would be like, I'm a fairly heavy smoker. I smoke seven to eight packs a week. Yes. Yeah.
1: Which nope. is, you, you, now in comparison, I'll be like, <laughs> you got nothing on Barry White. Can you imagine his
0: breath? Oh. And his fingers. Oh, the stains. Oh, his fingers. Yeah, gross. And his teeth. Yeah. Oh, And actually, I don't have a problem with smokers. No. Um, I kind of like the smell. I think it's ingrained in me from my childhood. Yeah. But that is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. So, in 1996, Barry recorded the duet In Your Wildest Dreams with none other than Tina Turner.
1: I was just thinking, is that? I was, I was thinking maybe it was Whitney, but no.
0: No, Tina Tina. Turner. Okay. 1996 also saw the release of Space Jam and its soundtrack. (gasps) Yes. On which Barry had a duet with Chris Rock- called Basketball Jones, a remake of Cheech and Chong's Basketball Jones from 1973.
1: Okay, I'm not familiar with that one.
0: No, me either, but I absolutely remember Space Jam. Yes, same. Do you remember the Space Jam Tarzos? Yes. Yeah. I I
1: collected all of them. Same.
0: I wish I knew where that folder was. I think mum sold it at a garage sale for a dollar. I was
1: just going to say, I'm pretty sure my mother did that too. Yeah.
0: Devastated. How good were garage sales back in the day? I mean- my mother
1: ruined that for me though, because
0: she sold <laughs> she everything. Sold she
1: sold my whole Barbie doll collection. I'm still salty about it.
0: Yeah, fair, mm. fair. Barry's final album, "Staying Power," released in 1999, resulted in his last hit song, "Staying Power." Mm. So the song's the same as the CD, yeah. which placed number 45 on the Billboard r charts. The single won him two Grammy Awards in the categories Best Male R&B Vocal Performance and Best Traditional R&B Vocal Performance. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That same year, Barry released his autobiography, Love Unlimited, which was published (laughs) by Broadway Books. There's that word again. Yeah. Tell me you love it without telling me you love it. (laughs) I don't think Barry could. No. Mm -mm. While touring with Earth, Wind and Fire (gasps) in August of 99, do you Mm -hmm. remember... Na, 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 na. Of September. September.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I should look up the lyrics, shouldn't Love
1: I? Love them. But... So dodgy on the lyrics, obviously.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Barry was forced to cancel a month's worth of tour dates owing to exhaustion, Mm. high blood pressure and a hectic schedule. Makes sense. Family, friends and associates also reported that as the 2000s began, Barry was in such poor health that he could hardly stand up. Oh, wow. His last performances suffered as a result. Yeah. In September of 2002, Barry was hospitalised with kidney failure, attributed to chronic high blood pressure. Mm. He was also believed to have been diabetic.
1: I mean, now that I know how much the guy smoked, yeah. realistically, he should have died a lot like earlier.
0: Yeah. Yeah, crazy, hey. Mm. While undergoing dialysis and awaiting a kidney transplant in May of 2003, mm. Barry suffered a severe stroke. Mm. This forced him to retire from public life. He also suffered multiple seizures in his last few weeks. Yeah. And you know what? That was probably nicotine withdrawal. Oh, very potentially. Mm. Yeah. Barry's unstable health prevented him from receiving a new kidney, and he died on July the 4th, 2003 at cedars Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles after suffering cardiac arrest. Mm. He was 58 years old.
1: That is still so young. It is still
0: very young. That's so young. His remains were cremated and the ashes were scattered in the ocean off the California coast.
1: Oh, so did he, uh, like his mum, outlive him? Um, you know this? I feel like she would be devastated.
0: I actually don't know. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure.
1: God, I hope not. Oh, she would be devastated.
0: Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, you know what I mean. This bit's a little bit nasty, but okay. I, I just wanted, I felt like it was important to include it. Okay. After Barry's death in 2003, his girlfriend, Catherine Denton, claimed that her infant daughter, and the daughter's name, I don't know if this is accurate, but it says here the daughter's name is Barriana.
1: Okay. That's a choice. It's a choice. <laughs> hmm
0: Catherine Denton claimed that her infant daughter, Bariana, was his biological child. Okay. Denton also claimed that she was owed money and personal items that Barry had promised to give her. Paternity tests revealed that he was not the father. <gasps> that was so Maury Povich. Wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I was trying to channel. Oh, uh, so, he was not the father okay. of her child, and Denton sub- subsequently lost her court case. Good. Although Barry and his wife, Goldine, had been estranged for over a decade, as a widow, Goldine was made sole executor of his estate
1: yeah well they were still technically married, married yeah by law so that's what happens when you don't get divorced
0: right <laughs> yeah i mean look my parents are divorced but mm-hmm. it like they separated when i was five years old mm-hmm. they didn't divorce till i was 15 yeah so anything could have happened in those 10 years right yeah crazy on september 20th 2004 barry was posthumously inducted into the dance music hall of fame at a ceremony held in new york On September 12th, 2013, which would have been his 69th birthday, he was posthumously awarded the 2,506th Star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, I love that. Barry White will always be remembered for having one of the most distinctive Mm. soul voices of his generation. Yeah. About which it was once said, If chocolate fudge cake could sing... It would sound like Barry White. Oh my
1: gosh! Yes, that is the best description. And you you can, as soon as you said it, I was actually like,
0: "Oh, I can, I can feel it, and
1: I can taste it." You know,
0: it's just so chunky. I can taste it, Mm. but that's my hankering for chocolate fudge cake.
1: (laughs) Maybe that's what it is for me too. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And that is the story of Barry White. Wow. The walrus of love, the maestro, and the fifty-sixth greatest singer of all time, named by The Rolling Stone. Amazing. Just really quickly, before I go any further, my sources are wikipedia.com, Love Unlimited, which is Barry White's biography, Mm -hmm. Gold Radio UK, theguardian.com, and an article on grunge.com.
1: Grunge, okay. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah. I learned so much.
0: It's a a crazy story, and I had actually never thought of doing Barry White, and then I was sitting at work and Can't Get Enough of Your Love came on, and I thought- I'm going to have to look into this because I don't know his story. No. And then I think when I read that he'd gone to prison and his brother had been a gangbanger Mm. and and all of that, I was like, this is is insane. Like, I need to tell this. I don't reckon a single one of my friends would know Barry White's story. No. No. I,
1: I... No, apart from obviously his voice was the inspiration for Chef on South Park (laughs) as well, and that's instantly what came to my head, to be honest. But and that's all, and it's not even Barry Barry White himself. No, it it was an inspiration of, but that's literally all I thought about. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Barry White, Um, but no, that was very fascinating. I loved that.
0: I'm glad you loved it. I loved it too. Yeah, Uh, and now I
1: want to go and listen to his songs.
0: I'm going to play. Uh, You're the first, the last, my everything for you as soon as we're done. And the
1: banana split song. Yeah, the banana
0: split song. Don't let me forget. Uh, Thank you so much For listening Danny. Thank you so much For being here And being my Guest co-host I'm still sad About the episode We lost But who knows Maybe later in time I'll get better at editing And it'll come out Of the vaults (laughs) Or something Uh, Episode 008 Will be up next week I'm actually off To Perth next weekend To catch up With a couple of friends So I'm gonna Record and schedule it So that it can Upload whilst I'm away But otherwise Thank you for listening Don't forget to Like the Guessing Game Musical Legacies Instagram, mm-hmm. and I hope everyone has a fabulous week.
1: Awesome! Thanks again, Michael. I loved being on this episode. Thank you so much. Love that. Always. Thanks, Danny. No worries. Bye, bye, everyone.